0: Charles Eisenstein is one of the greatest philosophical minds of our time and if you listen to our last podcast which was absolutely one of my favorite podcasts of all time you'll get an understanding of the concepts that he's bringing to light and in this follow-up podcast we go even deeper talking about all of the myths and all of the points where we started to lose faith in the structures of our society of our government and the solution and the way out and the way that we can all support each other to bring about the more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible and also with this podcast we're releasing a new short film called a gathering of the tribe it's narration from charles it's a custom score from the musical wizard john hopkins featuring violana it's got sound design by ben stewart animation by aldis it's a really powerful film So make sure you check it out. It's available on YouTube, A Gathering of the Tribe, and also IGTV. I can't wait to share another episode with my brother, Charles Eisenstein. But before we get started, a word from our sponsors. First up, we have mud water. Now, mud water, if you're not aware of what this is, has become a staple of my morning ritual. It is a combination of some of the best ingredients on the planet. It's got masala chai. It's got cacao, lion's mane mushrooms, cordyceps mushrooms, chaga mushrooms, turmeric, cinnamon. It is just packed with everything that you want to put in your body to nourish and support this kind of ramp up for the day. Now, it's got one-seventh the amount of caffeine as coffee. And that's really, as I've talked about in my book, Own the Day, Own Your Life, you don't want to start the morning with a bunch of caffeine. Really, you don't that's for something a little bit later on in the day but mud water has just the right amount and the way i like to mud water is i mix a little mud water i mix a little butter i mix a little protein and then sometimes some cashew butter and i blend it up and i have this delicious morning drink that i look forward to every single day and sometimes i'll go back for a second mud water because it just tastes so good and they didn't bother with putting a bunch of extra sweeteners in there so You can sweeten it as you like. Maybe you're comfortable with real sugar. Maybe you want stevia. Maybe you want xylitol. Maybe you want monk fruit. Whatever it is, they leave it up to you, which I really appreciate. So they don't overdo it. It's just a phenomenal product. And they really did that by focusing on just creating the very best thing and absolutely doubling down on that very best thing. So I encourage you guys to give it a try. Their customer service is phenomenal. Their ownership is amazing. I know those guys over there. And it's just a great product and a great company, so I highly recommend it. So check it out, mudwater.com slash amp. Now you spell mudwater, M-U-D-W-T-R com slash amp. And if you go to that URL, you'll save $5 off on every Mudwater purchase. Up next, we have 8Sleep. Now 8Sleep is taking a mattress and layering in some of the dopest technology that I've ever seen. Not only is it a mattress that adjusts temperature so it can get colder or hotter, but you can also hook it up to biometrics that help track your sleep stages and help you figure out what the temperatures are that you need and then adjusts automatically. Like this is some next level Jetsons type of shit. And the impact is remarkable. Eight sleep users are falling asleep up to 32% faster and reducing sleep interruptions by over 40% in the research done by eight sleep. That's huge. Sleep is one of those universal levers. When you can up level your sleep, you up level every aspect of your life your energy, your recovery, your clarity, your focus, your mood, your relationships start getting better. And this might just be the tool that you need to just give you that boost. A 32% boost? I mean, come on, that's huge. So definitely check it out if you're interested. Go to 8Sleep.com slash AMP. Spell out the word eight E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash AMP and check out the Pod Pro and save $150 at checkout using the promo code AMP. And lastly, we have on it. And I'm gonna talk again about Alpha Brain Black Label. It took us 10 years to find a formula. That was the black label version of Alpha Brain. What does black label mean? Well, that's just like the premium. That's the good shit. That's the top shelf shit. Now, I love Alpha Brain. I'm actually on Alpha Brain regular right now and I feel sharp as fuck and I love it. But that's really actually only because I ran out of Alpha Brain black label. The reason that I like black label so much is it just has a couple different key ingredients. It has some nutritional mushrooms that actually help light up the brain it also has different forms of choline and it has mecunipurians which really taps into the dopamine system and really keeps me highly engaged focused and rewarded for the work that i'm doing so alpha brain black label is just my absolute go-to it's also really good as a mood enhancer i just feel better when i'm taking it and when my mood is better i'm more productive and i'm able to be at my best so if you guys haven't checked it out Please do. It is the shit. Also, the packaging is super sexy, so it's a great gift if you want to give it to somebody. Go to onit.com slash aubrey for 10% off everything at on and also Alpha Brain Black Label. Once again, on it.com slash Aubrey. And now an uninterrupted podcast with Charles Eisenstein. Charles, my brother, here we are.
1: I'm happy to be back.
0: Yeah, I'm happy to have you back when we gathered last at fit for service you expressed to me that you're done you've had enough you're done fucking around
1: Mm -hmm.
0: there's no more what does that mean to you
1: I was trying to play it safe I was taking refuge in a pretend ambivalence or pretend doubt or well, after all, I can never know for sure, so I'm not going to commit. And yeah, like there's a time when you don't really know and, and there's the temptation to grasp onto a story that may not actually fully be true. And then there's the time when you know what your truth is, but you're still not stepping into it. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling that and looking into why I was not stepping into it and kind of playing it safe with philosophical bypass, uh, looking at both sides, you know, and like mm-hmm. accepting, accepting, accepting that maybe I don't know, and maybe I don't know. But at at one point, I'm just like, I've got to do something about this, right or wrong. I can't play it safe anymore. Yeah.
0: How did, what was the feeling that you had in your body in that in intentional and perhaps slightly subconscious repression of your truth? Because I think this is something that a lot of people can understand. It could be a truth about how we feel about the world right now. It could also be a truth about how you feel about your partner in your relationship or your job, or it's a universal that gets applied to a variety of different things. And a lot of people would say that this is what these diseases that we have are often diseases of repression diseases of Mm -hmm. withholding some truth some aspect and we'll podcast later with zach and certainly a lot of his medicine is about getting people through this so for you personally though what was the feeling of what did it feel like to hold back because i i can identify with that feeling too i felt i felt the same many times over the last 18 months
1: it was a feeling of being half dead it was clear to me what what is mine to do, what is mine to say. My whole life has converged many tributaries into the stream of what's mine to do right now. And I was like fighting the current. And because <clears throat> I had to shut down, like shutting down that required me shutting down a lot of other parts of myself. Mm-hmm. And I was physically shutting down like on my my, maybe on my soul level it was like here's your life live it or you're not going to be here anymore like it was that and i don't want to like over dramatize it sure but it was like yeah it felt like i was at a crossroads yeah and there was no going back yeah you know and like it worked you know like (laughs) I mean, there are so many people who have completely written me off, you know, and and cast me into the into the bin of deplorables. You so, pay,
0: you had to pay the price right. of what you were ultimately afraid of. You right, know, what you were afraid of happened. Right, and you paid it, and here you are on the other side of it, a more radiant and free being, living with yeah. a capital L.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's it's a bit more holographic than that. Right, you know, it's not. For me, it hasn't been just like flipping a light switch. Like sometimes I do go back into that state, revisit it almost as, um, as a, as like part of my service, because I know that there's a lot of people in that state. And in order to speak to that, I have to visit it myself. And it's not even just, um, like a spiritual experiment. It it's full on when I go back Mm -hmm. into that, oh my God, maybe I'm wrong about everything. Like for real, Mm -hmm. like really take that in. And usually when I do that, I come out of it stripped of some things that I had been pretty sure about or that I had kind of gotten addicted to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's almost like mental hygiene, almost like hygiene for your stories is to is to question them all radically just to test them and make sure and see if any are not actually substantiated because we're, we're such a story making machine we're making stories every second all the time whether we realize it or not constantly and some of these stories are going to be true and or true true enough in, in the sense of what is true
1: yeah stories can be a vehicle to express and um, bring into experience something that is inside a feeling. So for example, uh, there's an authentic feeling of, um, you mentioned in your poem, incarceration, uh, repression, um, a insidious wrongness in the world. And, and what, where is that feeling coming from? Well, it can get clothed in, you know, the diabolical cabal that is controlling the world story. And that story seems so true because it's giving voice to a feeling. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean the story is true or false, but it because it's a vehicle for the feeling, I know that my belief in it, when I go into that space, and sometimes I do, okay, um, but I'm certainly not an advocate of that of that story. But when I go into it, it seems like like irrefutably true but because there's a psychology underneath it you know there's an emotionality beneath it i uh, i hold it lightly yeah yeah because i know that i have have i've buy-in that isn't just
0: right you have to be aware of where your inherent bias is going to lead you to actually try to concretize an emotional experience into a factual experience which is also one of the ways that we build stories it's like we build all of this we have an emotion and then we take all of the scaffolding of a million ideas and we try to scaffold that together into some kind of factual edifice that we can say look here it is here's all the evidence but really all we had was an emotion and then we're just gathering through our own selection bias all of the different beams and panels and things to make this thing look right and you see this on it's universal it's on every every side every person is doing it and that's the irony of calling anybody a conspiracy theorist because we're all doing the same process some are just pointing it at different things in different ways right
1: yeah It, it so right so on the one hand like pretty much the entire covid phenomenon is it's an expression of this pattern where where there's there's an ambient anxiety in the world a fear that is seeking an object mm. preferably an object that we know how to control we know what to do about so so you know health has been in rapid decline for the last i mean you could say the last 100 years but but definitely the last generation chronic disease increasing Um, autoimmunity, allergies, all kinds of chronic disease. And people know that there's something wrong. So then COVID comes along and it's almost a sense of relief. Oh, okay. Now I know what's wrong. It's this thing and I can control it. We can control it. And if we are successful in controlling it, then health will be ours again. It's almost like watching a horror movie. provides a relief because all of your unconscious fears are manifest in in you know freddy or jason or whoever (laughs) it is you know or the joker or something and it's so satisfying when that that repository of all evil is destroyed so some of that psychology is going on so so people were primed to accept the COVID narrative now i'm not saying that it's only that and there's no such thing as COVID and no fire no not saying that i'm saying there are many, many lenses through which we can understand this phenomenon, and that's one of them. Yeah. Uh, now, on the other side, like on the conspiracy side or the, like, I mean, that's become such a pejorative term. I don't even want to say it, say it that way. But let's say the COVID dissidents, we, they often tend to jump at any, any narrative that gives expression to their authentic sense that there is something going on behind the scenes here that isn't, isn't what we're being told. So like there was this thing that circulated a month or two ago about Pfizer's new patent that patents, you know, nanobots in the human body activated by 5g, et cetera, et cetera. And, and people in the, um, uh, counter-narrative space for accepting that uncritically. I mean, I went and actually looked at the patent and it didn't say anything like that. It was yeah. basically about contract, contact tracing. It was still disturbing, but it, it wasn't. So like then when people make that claim about it, they make themselves look ridiculous to the other side. Sure. And it widens this divide, which is the real crisis of our time. It's a crisis of the word, of communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that was one of the most powerful parts of uh, of one of the essays that you were writing was, and it's exactly the place that I arrived. So my own discomfort and this sense of angst of not being able to express my truth, I experienced that many many times, and it wasn't finally released. You know, I got to release some of it when I was, because I don't know. I'm not a scientist nor a doctor, and I I don't I haven't even done the research to really be sure about what's what in this i have my instincts but i don't feel like that's mine to talk about so what was mine to talk about well when all of the stimulus checks were rolling out the for the trillions of dollars i got i got frustrated and i was like what the fuck you were saying that we could make trillions of dollars all along oh oh that was a play on the board And now we're using it? What what about what about all of the people dying of hunger? What about all of the clean water that we could provide for a fraction of that? What about all of the assistance we could do to the 30 million people being sex trafficked? What about all of this other shit that we could use some of this money for? We could
1: heal the entire planetary ecosystem for that amount of money. Exactly.
0: And so I got fucking pissed. And then I that's when I like came out and it was just like, oh, okay, finally. Now I get to speak my own my own sense of this is wrong and i got to declare it in the, in a poem that i wrote revolution of solidarity mm-hmm. and then it hinted at another idea which was the division that was going on in the world and then i was again but again i was like i feel wrongness i feel wrongness in everything that's happening but it wasn't i couldn't pin it and then i really understood that okay what we need to do is resolve this increasing widening polarizing gap between one side and another left and right black and white whatever you want to say red or blue doesn't matter like all of this divisive vax anti-vax it's forgetting the fundamental truth of reverence for all beings and all life and how interconnected we are and so the idea that came through was the idea of a united polarity which is saying you don't have to homogenize we all don't have to slump into the middle become a unisex gender and wear unisex clothes and have unisex ideas and like homogenized milk and all believe the same thing but we can remember the fundamental inalienable truths about being alive you know on this planet as a part of the part of the earth and a part of this shared ecosystem and so united polarity was this thing i was able to push forward and then it was like finally i could breathe again it's like (gasps) (sighs) (laughs) oh because I could stand I could stand in that and I have a lot of other opinions too you know and I'm mm-hmm. and I share those opinions sometimes but I'm careful to say like this is my opinion you know my opinion is that I think this is, looks a little sketchy and I think that this feels a little off and in my body this resonates as untrue if this was a guitar I would say it's out of tune even though I'm not a musician like mm-hmm. I know that this doesn't feel right but I don't know for sure but there's certain things that I do know and one is that as you said you know this is a crisis of our ability to see each other and communicate and express you know our honest truth
1: mm-hmm. to each other yeah we are wh- what's been happening is is that our sense of a wrongness of something being out of tune gets hijacked and we're offered the diagnosis which is those bad people out there. So, we're, so, that, so our revolutionary energy, revolution meaning a turning, is directed against each other. So all of that energy is incinerated by pushing against itself. Mm. And society trundles on under its momentum and nothing changes. Hence our helplessness despite hundreds of years of technological innovation. I mean, we should be incredibly powerful right now, but instead we are helpless as we watch the planetary ecosystem degenerate and the social systems and world hunger, I mean, which is up in the last year, political disintegration, like what's going on here? Like I thought we were supposed to have been progressing. Yeah. And, and, And the reason is because we have no coherence And the reason for that is a deep misunderstanding of what a human being is. Like we're constantly being offered a reduced version of the human being.
0: A broken machine, Mm -hmm. a broken machine in constant need of fixing. And that there's some terminal place that we can arrive where it's all fixed. Mm -hmm. You know, this myth of the the satiety point where it's all good, whether it's Mm -hmm. retirement or whether it's one place a state of health like like this some fixed point, a state of wealth, a state of and it's this it's interesting thing that we try to think of ourselves like a machine that either works or but this is all on a continuum. And we're just fed this this fallacy and we we eat it up and chase these chase these desired states as if these states are going to exist. But of course they don't and this is the this is the process. go back to what you were saying though you you wrote this so beautifully with coherency amongst us among us no other problem would be hard to solve as it stands the prodigious powers of human creativity cancel each other out the crystalline matrix of our co-creation has burst into shards i thought that was a beautiful way to talk about how this energy that you're talking about is if we actually utilized it in its in its in a co-creative state in a way in which it was accretive, and we were listening to each other and cooperating then like the permaculturists say the problem is the solution all of our people and all of our minds and all of these things then become the solution to solve all of the problems and potentially even bigger problems of Cataclysmic cycles that hit the earth every 12,000 years. And we could be like, hey, if we look back every 12,000 there's been, a, or whatever, there's been a oh, pretty rough, pretty rough patch. Maybe we should try and, you know, build a proverbial Noah's ark of many, many ways to save many people and ecosystems and animals in case of this situation and be working together on that because we've already solved all of the other basic stuff. And that's, I think, what we're here to do is to help be like the shepherds and stewards of earth but instead as long as we're canceling each other out and fighting each other we're never going to fulfill our real destiny i think as people that's part of this thing
1: you know what i want for myself i want to be put to good use yeah you know and i think a lot of people share that when you awaken to why you're here and how beautiful the world is you just wanna be of full service. Self-trust has been scary for me because of my indoctrination into the idea that human beings are selfish, um, that improvement is a matter of conquering the self, of rising above materiality, of rising above the emotions, you know, this, all this programming from way back when I was a kid, the, entering the rarefied realm of the mind, the reason, like it's all part of the conquest of the self, which mirrors the conquest of nature and left me unwilling to trust myself. Like what if I just do whatever I want? Hmm. Like that is an insult. Oh, he just does whatever he wants. Does he really, like, what do you really want to do?
0: What do you really want is one of the most interesting fucking questions in the world. What do you really want? Like, if you go down that rabbit hole, you find a lot of powerful things.
1: Yeah, so I'm looking, uh, so I'm learning to retrain, okay? So I'm looking at you and remembering, what am I actually seeing here? I'm seeing life itself, the same life that is in a tree out there or a bird, that life knows what to do. That life is sacred. It's beautiful. It's part of the holistic functioning of all of life. Like no tree is just serving itself. It's bringing up water and nutrients from underground. It's sheltering birds. It's nourishing Mycorrhizal networks that bring sugars to the bacteria that fix nitrogen, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I mean, you know, it's a community,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and if that tree is able to do that, it's a thriving tree. And anyway, I'm—I I was just thinking that, like, I'm like looking at you. I'm like, yeah, you're a powerful person, and put me to use. Yeah, you know, and that'll be our sacred agreement all right yeah like to the end yeah
0: i'm with you i i had a powerful moment last night where i've been pushing really hard i released a documentary i've been giving speeches in different cities and on doing copious podcasts and preparing a lot of different things just just working very hard and working on things that i know Are productive to the world because i feel the urgency you know and certainly didn't help with my urgency talking at length with daniel schmachtenberger over dinner that definitely increased the urgency meter a little Uh bit you know because he's very aware of the existential threats also optimistic but i was like fuck i wasn't even thinking about four of these things (laughs) like damn it you know like i was and i had this warm blanket of optimism And and it felt like it was gently and he's a very heart-centered guy despite yeah. his cerebral intensity. It was like he was like, oh, "Okay, we're going to have to take this warm blanket off and you're going to have to face the brisk wind of mm-hmm. and find the courage in that wind." And I was like, "All right, I got it," you know, and I always trust that about myself, like I got it, but my my tendency is I'll push so hard that I'll that I'll crash. And I've been flirting with that. And yesterday I had like a little mini crash and I was just lying in bed and I felt like i couldn't do enough and i wasn't capable of enough and vailana led me through you know a series of questions and she asked you know what would the she asked what would the father say and ultimately i started just flowing and like a channel channel opened up mm. of the father talking to me and it was ultimately just recognizing what, i had so much judgment of myself still and the judgment became crippling and it was mm-hmm. like filling my joints if i was moving my body it was like filling my joints with you know tension and i wasn't able to actually be myself because i was always judging whether i was doing it right or doing yeah. it wrong and mm-hmm. it, the father just guided me to see how much you care like go back to that like go back to how much you care and know like that's that's what matters is that you really really at the core core you're trying so hard and you care and that's that's what matters like that's what matters is that you care and like from that place you know tears started to flow and i was like all right i care and i'm doing my fucking best and then there was this huge release of all of this pressure all of this just sloughed off and i was like yeah i fucking care because i see you and i see people and i see all of that and i see the cat that was on the roof that scratched your arm when we rescued it this morning and i i see life and i love life i love life and then that that is what the real motivation is, not all. And it comes from a different place and it's an inexhaustible source. You know, the the craving for things and the craving for items and whatever else and achievements and accolades and all that. It's ephemeral, you know, it's, it's a constant chase, a Sisyphean challenge. But when you get back to like, no, I care and I'm gonna do whatever I can and it's, mm-hmm. but not not with the judgment and not with the guilt. And, and not
1: with, and also like not as, an exhortation to yourself. Right. But it's actually a quiet confidence that I care. You don't have to make yourself care. Right. I care. I know who I am. I know that I care. I know that I will respond to the call. Even if you can go through your mind at all the examples in your life where you didn't respond to the call, still there's a part of you that knows I will respond to the call because that is who I am. And if you can visit that place once once in a while, and s- strengthen that connection, you will experience it as true. The urgency urgency is a feeling of a misalignment with what you know, who you are, and what you're doing. That feeling of misalignment can get displaced onto hurry. Hurry and 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 doing more and doing more and doing more. Yes. Which provides some relief from the feeling. But it's not necessarily what that feeling actually seeks. It could be something it could be doing less. It could be that the more and more and more is what's out of alignment.
0: Mm-hmm indeed
1: and i've been like I, I i hope i'm not sounding preachy here like not the only all. reason i know this is because like i'm the worst like, <laughs> i know man yeah. i
0: know brother i i see that i mean and this is universal yeah. and this is why we share it here because there's gonna be so many people who are feeling that same thing and and ultimately the 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 voice of the father that came said the final thing it said know the difference between you and i son and it was coming from that archetypal father the difference between you and i is faith that's the difference is i believe that everything will work out i trust Mm -hmm. and that trusting then allows you to be like be who you actually are right without the striving and trying and scrambling and chasing just be and do and move steadily and confidently and that emanation metaphysically and physically creates results that are far beyond what the striving and trying and striving and more coffee at 9, 9 p.m. because you got more things to do, it's more powerful than that.
1: Right, because then you can hear the call to play your role in the plan. The plan is far beyond human comprehension. If you try to comprehend it and map out how the society is gonna transform, you run up against a brick wall of impossibility. The, the, the forces arrayed against change are way too powerful. It's, it's, it's a fantasy to think that we will see any significant change in the world in our lifetimes or maybe ever, but that doesn't take into account the mechanisms of change and healing that arise from synchronicity. Synchronicity is an outcropping of a deeper intelligence that, that is available to coordinate the world. And when we listen to the call that comes through the body, through the heart, then we're able to participate in this orchestration and it's like there's there's actually um, a grain of truth in all that QAnon stuff of trust the plan the problem though is that it's not Donald Trump who has the plan <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i mean yeah. that's a, to think that Donald Trump has a master plan i mean that's a pretty generous view of Donald Trump okay i mean <laughs> Like, I'm not saying anything about Donald (laughs) Trump, but, but I mean, come on, the guy is not playing 40 chess, you know,
0: (laughs) for sure. Checkers maybe, you know, but anyway, um, I would see him playing checkers and turning over the board when you got your first King, you're like, fuck this game. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I I hate to say anything, but you know, know. in
1: person, like, I mean, people like, like him, anybody in power is such a projection screen, you know, like, what is he actually like in person? I have no idea. Um, Probably a mix, just like me and you. Of course. Anyway, um, but whatever he is, he doesn't have the plan. Yet still, this trust the plan is one of these um, uh, expressions draped in story of an authentic truth. That there is a plan. Trust the plan doesn't mean that you don't do anything, though. It's that you trust the plan and your role in the plan and your cue to enter stage when it comes and the form that cue takes is that you care about something yeah and this goes back to your initial question like i was feeling the cue i was feeling like it's my turn to do something and when i listen to that and this is true generally when we when we listen to that our actions have magnified power because they're happening at just the right place at just the right time. Mm.
0: I think people are afraid of, they're afraid of faith and they're afraid of that level of trust because they're afraid that they'll become demotivated Mm -hmm. in a certain way. They're like, well, if I just believe it's all gonna work out, then what am I, why would I even have any motivation, right? But it doesn't actually work like that. No. It's, it's false. We don't want to just
1: sit around, <laughs> no. you know, drinking beer and watching football. Like, we don't want that. Yeah. And this idea that that's what we want, that we just want to, to slack off, that is true in the context of meaningless work. Like, if you are doing work that is tedious and degrading and boring and a dead end, and uh, maybe it was okay for a while, but now you're sick of it, like, of course you want to not work but then we take that for granted as the default state of human existence. But no, like no. a kid doesn't want to do nothing. A kid wants to create, you know, and play. And like child's play is a constant process of creation. Like my, my eight-year-old is making worlds in his head all the time mm-hmm. and, and playing them out. And that's what we want to do too. Yeah, Yeah.
0: The other thing is an amelioration of obsolescence right like if you feel the obsolescence you feel like well it doesn't matter then maybe you ameliorate it with intoxicants distractions and these Mm -hmm. other things but when you find that sense of purposeful play that you have a whole different orientation and everything is alive and all of the great things that i've ever that i've ever brought forth have come from those those other type of moments those listening moments those places where there's an inspiration that just floods through the grinding stuff sure it's got me some ways in some places and accomplished some things and it's an aspect of it and there's a time to put your feet in the sprinter's block and just keep running and don't stop when you get a little fatigued like i get it i'm not denying when
1: when are we gonna finish i want to have some beers man
0: (laughs) oh how long we've been going (laughs) only half an hour oh man that clock's moving slow (laughs) yeah it's not real yeah it's not real and uh and that's i think something that if we just let go of that idea but that's been because of the obsolescence of and and the kind of unimportance of this meaningless work we've taught this and the story feels real and so we have all of these ideas that the end goal is to be on a cruise ship at 67 you know and like that's when you made it no like it's every it's available in every moment from
1: one shopping port to another <laughs> yeah exactly yeah
0: exactly an intoxicated tour from one shopping you know tourist place to another and that's that's yeah. not it you know there's heaven in every there's heaven in every moment if and you're can able I, to can I just it.
1: want to bring in like compassion for the people on uh cruise ship shopping tours you know, any, any hint of disdain or contempt for anybody means that you're still, and I'm not saying this is what you're feeling, but, Mm -hmm. but like, I noticed a part of me that is like, you know, I would never do that. Right. It's still the life force seeking expression, like, like the trammeled contained repressed desire for adventure and to find your boundaries and explore them that's not much available so what's offered is a cruise so it's still like this it's like this wife contained and repressed trying to burst out
0: yeah there's uh there's something from Tik han that that you wrote that it's it's a beautiful way and i'm just going to read it because it was so powerful when i read it Mm -hmm. and it really speaks to this it's called call me by my true names and i think you um took a few of the stanzas Mm -hmm. from it not the entire poem but I'll, i'll go ahead and read it i am the child in uganda all skin and bones my legs as thin as bamboo sticks and i am the arms merchant selling deadly weapons to uganda I am the 12-year-old girl, refugee on a small boat, who throws herself into the ocean after being raped by a sea pirate. And I am the pirate, my heart not yet capable of seeing and loving. I am a member of the Politburo, with plenty of power in my hands, and I am the man who has to pay his debt of blood to my people, dying slowly in a forced labor camp. My joy is like spring, so warm it makes flowers bloom in all walks of life. My pain is like a river of tears, so full it feels it fills the four oceans. Please call me by my true names, so I can hear all my cries and laughs at once, so I can see that my joy and pain are one. Please call me by my true names, so I can wake up. And so the door of my heart can be left open, the door of compassion. He gets it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I remember when, uh, this was years ago, I saw there was a, <clears throat> a deadly riot out west somewhere <clears throat> inviting involving two biker gangs, you know, and they were, you know, fighting with whatever motorcycle chains. And then the cops came and they started hitting the cops and they were all arrested, you know, and, and there were the mug shots photos of these people. And, and the, it was reading, it, I think it was on salon.com, you know, and the entire article was an invitation to hate. It was like, of course we need to be compassionate for, um, you know, Black Lives Matter protesters and people who have a genuine grievance, you know, but these are just contemptible thugs. And, and the photographs were like extremely unflattering. And I thought-
0: They don't work on lighting in the mugshots.
1: No, No. And I thought like every single one of these men was once a little baby, yeah. like an adorable cutums. And I thought, what happened? To each of these men. Like, what has to happen to an incredible, miraculous baby? I've been present at four births. That's the four best moments of my life. And just like I'm in tears every time, the, the the miracle of it, like this new being. What has to happen to a baby to turn them into a sea pirate? You know, to turn them into a dictator like it's like your poem at the beginning yeah you know
0: oh my dear child what have they done to you
1: what have they done to you yeah and that doesn't mean that like people think oh well if you have that kind of compassion you're letting them off the hook you know what about the victims you know we have to draw a boundary no that's not what it's about even if we resist even if we fight even if we hold that boundary it's not from a delusion that these beings are anything but what they are, which is sacred life. So it's, it's how we see each other. We still might fight. Like we still might, I still might need to protect my children from you if you're coming at me with a gun or no a doubt. needle or something like that. No doubt. Oops, did I just say that? <laughs> but slip (laughs) but it won't be i won't have to justify that by making you evil Mm -hmm. in the abstract and then calling a crusade against you and your ilk in the name of good fighting evil because we see where that leads adolf hitler did everything he did in the name of good fighting evil every dictator every totalitarian society it's in the name of the greater good that's why we have to control the other that we name as evil so as revolutionaries of love let's not do that yeah otherwise we're not actually revolutionaries of love that's just the disguise that we're wearing
0: i thought one of there's two things that i want to talk about from that but one of which was you know one of the the beautiful explanations of how when you are in the delusion of dehumanization you've reduced someone to a subhuman being then you're operating in the sphere of lies you're operating in the Mm -hmm. sphere of delusion and when you're operating in the sphere of delusion you are far more susceptible to other delusion because you're at that dimensional reality it's like you are you are an energetic vibrational match to lie and manipulation at the any point Mm -hmm. that you're in that state where you've reduced somebody to subhuman that's no matter what you call somebody a sheep you know which are a lot of our a lot of our probably our friends uh, you know our friends are probably more keen to call people on that side dehumanize on that side and then other people who are calling us names dehumanizing us while well, we're domestic terrorists or whatever right. dehumanized version of that but either side at the moment you dehumanize they're on the same side they're the same side it's yep. the opposite side, the side of, the of dehumanization yep mm-hmm. and then at that point you're vulnerable you know you're in that you're in that ayahuasca ceremony where the shamans just got the door wide open for all the lies and all the darkness and all the delusion and you're in a deep dark forest at that point but when you realize the truth the real truth of the humanity and the and everything that we've been talking about then that's when you're you have a natural defense mm-hmm. against all of this manipulation and deceit
1: yeah and i think it's important to remember that the reason to resist dehumanization isn't so that you're then a admirable person mm-hmm. it's simply because it's not true
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's a lie yeah it's wrong it's just not true yeah the other thing the other place i wanted to go this these were two of the best lines i've seen and i'm not trying to fluff you here but um it's from a piece from a temple of this earth transcendence to the from the west was the section said forgiveness comes from the flash of understanding if i were in the totality of your situation i may well have done what you did and then on the other side the lie behind judgment is if i were in the totality of your situation i would have done differently and this is where we find ourselves is this this belief you know so both are super important and we can take them individually forgiveness if i were in the totality of your situation i may well have done what you did we don't know what it would be like to be in that person's you know walk a mile in their shoes that's like something we casually throw around but like really though mm-hmm. would we have done different <clears throat> and we judge when we think we would but we don't fucking
1: know maybe maybe not right yeah yeah, do you really know what it's like to be that person? You know, people are pretty critical of Bill Gates right now, and so am I. But when I imagine myself in his shoes, having built a career on pushing technology that, that <clears throat> he may fervently believe is for the betterment of humanity, I mean, this is the very quintessence of progress, to, to expand technology, to include everything. This is the the dream of technology. So he is deeply immersed in a cultural paradigm that goes back hundreds of years. Like Descartes wrote about this in, in his most famous passage about to become the lords and possessors of nature. Do you, do you know that, that mm-hmm. phrase? Yeah. That's at the end of a paragraph where he's waxing eloquent about how technology is going to usher in utopia
0: also reducing who we are to a thinker i think therefore i am. right
1: but that's that's a different that's a totally different writing i mean in this part in this part and it's significant that the same thinker has both of those ideas but that would be a whole but 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 what i'm saying is that this cultural immersion that someone like bill gates is very 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 deeply in Like, someone had to play that role for the story of humanity to be complete. That's him. If I were the actor playing that role, I would probably be doing the same thing. Not because I'm evil, but because that is how the role is written. And I think that that realization, quite to the contrary of letting Bill Gates off the hook I mean what about what is this hook anyway? You know, I mean that's part of a punishment <laughs> the hook mentality. Of judgment, yeah. A punishment mentality that is part of the domination mentality which is part of the world destroying machine. But but far from making us uh acquiescent and and vulnerable to his depredations because we actually understand the man better or at least we're trying to, we actually become more effective at resisting. More effective at resisting evil when we don't see it as the result of malice primarily i mean at least we don't default to that
0: i think actual intentional malice is so fucking rare yeah like and even even when it is intentional there's still the delusion that is necessary for that evil to exist which is that i am separate from you so it's still built upon a lie Mm -hmm. so it's still not even fully intentional because it's done in the shadow of a disbelief so It's almost like there really isn't intentional malice because it it requires a lie, you know, even if you're trying.
1: I mean, like maybe there is some intentional malice, but what I'm talking about is like the default way of seeing every evil act as malice. That is definitely not true. I mean, I've done evil acts before. I mean, I haven't like, you know, tortured a mouse or anything like that, but I mean, I've definitely done things I'm not proud of. Gotten
0: pleasure from somebody, something else's pain i think we've all we've all that if that's the definition like haha
1: they got theirs you know like that kind of feeling sure sure sure
0: but nonetheless what my point being is that you had to do that after accepting a lie after believing a mistruth so like yes it was intentional but it was not fully intent in in awareness and in consciousness because you couldn't do it you couldn't gain pleasure if you were actually in the state of inner being which is the truth you you couldn't do it it's it requires it requires a delusional state and there's different levels to it it goes all the way down to i think that i'm doing this evilly intentionally i believe that i am but you're really also you're you're subtly subconsciously already swallowing a lie about Mm -hmm. you know about the nature of the nature of reality and so yes i mean and again it doesn't mean that we shouldn't stop those people in certain cases but I, but i see this like i there's a there's a friend that i have that was posting about it was about bill gates and he's friends with a lot of military operators and there was a lot of the comments he wasn't saying this but a lot of the comments were like why doesn't someone someone just take him out already why don't someone just take him out and i was like fuck like this is not the way he's living my interpretation my my belief is take bill gates i believe that he's just in a world that he's trying to account for a variety of variables and perhaps i don't know but perhaps in his analysis in his computational analysis the way that humanity survives is a reduction of population i'm not saying that this is true maybe let's say that it is what he's not accounting for is magic and the opening of the heart and the collective awakening things that we know to be true so if he knew those things to be Mm. true and he could have faith based upon the sex magic practice that blew his mind and the breath work that caused him to scream and wail and the psychedelics that blasted open his heart and connected him to God and the conversations mm-hmm. like I had with the father. If he saw that, maybe he'd be like, fuck, there was, yep.
1: there was variables I wasn't accounting for. He's not playing with a full deck.
0: He's not playing with a full deck. So the the goal is not take him out. It's like, find somebody that's close enough to him that can bring him to the new mystery school which has been a deep calling to like revive this idea of the mystery school where it's such a strong allure that within there there's going to be the love of the feminine and nature from the feminine from nature of the mother of the you know the psychedelic wine and whatever the thing is obviously this is a different paradigm now than there used to be it in the illusion mysteries or delphi whatever they did but this idea that there's a way to reconnect people to love and the magic that you and i know is true that will change the computational analysis and they'll say wow yeah overpopulation is an issue but man what would happen if everybody opened their hearts and can we dedicate our entire vast res- resources to this ends because this will work you know and then those people switch it's like playing the game Othello, you know with the black checkers yeah. and the white cellars all of a sudden mm-hmm. the huge line just goes and it clicks over and it's like game's different now huh Mm -hmm. you know it's like that's that's the game that's the game to me it's like can we get to their heart and peel off that armor and let them cry the tears and wail the tears and and see the possibility of of what we can see it doesn't make us better than them that we can see it we just happen to have been fortunate enough my father sent me on a vision quest when i was 18 Mm. i took mdma and psilocybin in the mountains of new mexico in a yurt and and was with the howling coyotes and a roaring fire and stayed up all night and felt my body evaporating he didn't get that so like am i gonna say oh i'm better than him no i i had i was fortunate i was lucky you know and i've made some good choices sure like i'm not gonna deny my own free will choices and and certain choices that we make i'm not trying to deny categorically free will but it's it's very dangerous position when we start to get to the i am better than you because which is different
1: I have a story to tell you, inspired by what you just said about your father, but it's not quite the moment. But maybe in later in the conversation, remind me of it, and it might yeah. be the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is this is, I think, one of the really truly important things. The real revolution that that you speak to so well, and that I'm I'm a hundred percent on board with. It's it's a revolution of the entire paradigm itself. It is not playing the game it's it's a revolution so deep that we cannot concretize it in the stories that we've been told it's not it's not star wars it's not avatar it's not all of these things that we love and feel like that was fun you know it's not that it's a revolution so radical that we don't even have the stories about it it's not the
1: hero's journey no
0: it's a different one it's a whole different map and, and it feels like this is the map that is a part of our calling to create, like a new map of a new revolution, of a new way to fight as a warrior of love.
1: I have some things to say about that, new mythologies and new maps, but it feels a little bit like I'd be showing off how smart I am. <laughs> I wanna just tune in for a minute and, and feel like feel you and feel the people listening to us and just returning to put me to good use. Like, how can I, um, how can I serve you and those you represent in this moment, in this moment for Mm -hmm. real, Mm -hmm. that's respect Mm
0: -hmm.
1: genuine offer. This COVID has been a blessing as we talked about earlier, bringing the tribe together, exposing our character to each other, to ourselves, learning who's brave and who isn't yet brave. Mm -hmm.
0: We in our hearts are ready to stand for something real. Stand for something real all of these false flags that we've rallied behind, like there's a deep, yearning, aching desire to stand for something real, something that has real meaning. And your humility, your call to service is such a pure reflection of your being, and I acknowledge you for it. And I also acknowledge that as clever as I might be and as much work and exploration as I've done, I've never encountered somebody who can so eloquently illuminate the principles upon which we can stand that can decorate the new flag of new stars and new stripes. Mm-hmm and new and new ideas in that way and i speak for myself in that you know this is one of your great gifts this is one of the ways that you are putting yourself to good use is to show us the flag you know the flag that we know that was in our heart already but just say here here look look this is now you can see it and people are ready Like, people are ready. And if we can tell those, the the flag will come in stories. It will come in a way of being. It will come in the way of gathering. It will come in the way of many things. But, like, that is a a great gift that you're Mm -hmm. offering.
1: Yes. The principles are not something that you can write out in a list. That whole way of approaching life, okay, let's get the basic principles. Let's write the Constitution that is a kind of a containment of the wild. But you're speaking truth when you speak of principles in the sense of the principles of a company, like the core beings. that can be communicated heart to heart through the things he said, through stories, through presence. I spent the last week with a small group. One of them was a man who I deeply respect. Yeah, and he's very intelligent, says a lot of wise things, you know, but what he communicated to me and taught to me was not through any of the words he spoke per se. It was through his relentless service and thoughtfulness. Like he would always be anticipating everybody's needs around him constantly. And to do that, you have to constantly be attuning to that. Mm. And it wasn't out of like martyrdom either. It's like because of that orientation that doesn't come from trying to prove himself worthy. He has endless energy. And that is one of the principles. It is transmitted to me by his being. And even that description I gave, it's not, if you reduce it to those words, oh, okay, let me take notes here. Always be oriented towards service. Okay, that gets at some of it. But maybe you can feel this man's energy in my tone of voice rather than my words Mm. like that yeah i think i think you understand what i'm talking about absolutely yeah
0: because anything that becomes a saying can then the words have such ambiguous meaning and they're always just approximations is as you were saying it it reminded me of the saying your actions speak so loudly that i cannot hear what you say Mm -hmm. right and that is something that's cool to think about but it can also be hijacked very easily into okay i get it so this just means i got to do more and say less you know but you could still be doing and doing from the same place that you were saying before which is a striving which is a self-aggrandizement which is this kind of inflationary impulse to show everybody how something you are something valuable you are some some way in which you're virtuous it could still be the same thing you're doing could be the same thing as you're saying it's just maybe a little more young in that way but so it does it's not like a universal truth but to do things like he said and then that was that was an exemplification of the truth of that of that phrase which is that his actions did speak more loudly than his words, but his actions only spoke that way because his actions came from a true reservoir, like a place within that was a sacred place that was connected to a sacred truth that's ultimately ineffable.
1: Right, and it may not come from any kind of commitment he made to himself to be of better service to others. It might be a natural organic growth coming from other work that he's done so please don't aspire to be like him
0: (laughs) because the aspiring is is what's going to prevent you from being like him it didn't come from aspiring yeah yeah and and what you all you have to believe is there is when you understand the truth when you see yourself as the tree the chainsaw is no longer is no longer the same thing yeah maybe you use it but your orientation to that chainsaw and that tree is a much different thing you know right like you know that this is it's a different thing and the same with people and same with words it's that you have to really believe in the state of inner being and that the state of inner being will have a natural emanation and and that's all you must get that's all nobody must get to anything but that's the thing it's just to feel feel what actually is and trust. And trust. And just trust. Like once you feel it and then just fucking trust.
1: It, yeah. You might still cut down the tree, but it won't be because of a delusion that it's just, you know, 70 feet of board, board feet of lumber. Right. It'll be in the full knowledge of what that tree is. Right.
0: And, and this is the way the shamans of the, of the jungle, of the forest, this is the way they do it. Before they pick any leaf, they're in psychic communication with that plant. Can I have this leaf? You know, and we're going to use this for medicine, and it becomes root after a while. But this is always—they're always in prayer. Same with many, many First Nations cultures is they understand that it, they understand the aini is the quechua word reciprocity, and they understand they have an animistic view of all life. So they're always in communication, even fire itself. And I learned this lesson in from, with Don Howard and Wachuma, like it was Wachuma was showing me how everything everything is has a has a spirit and this sounds crazy but this is what it was showing me and this is what i believe everything has a spirit and even when you have asked the fire to light your mapacho like right. give a quiet thank you thank you to the fire to the element of fire and thank you to the tobacco and thank you to the paper that came from a tree that's wrapping the mapacho thank you i'm going to yep. put this mapacho to good use
1: can i say one thing about that sure Don't say thank you if you don't actually feel grateful. Ah, yes. It's not a charade. Because then you're lying (laughs) to the fire. Not nice. (laughs) True. Don't say thank you if you're not grateful, which goes against a lot of parenting. Kids are always being told to say thank you. And never tell my kids to say thank you because I don't want to teach them to be insincere. But I might remind them of them having received a gift. And I might point out the generosity of another person. And then I trust their innate gratitude Mm -hmm. that wants to give a return gift. And that might be a word of thank you in return. But it comes from gratitude. So if you are in a reality in which fire is just fire and a plant is just, you know, a bunch of biochemistry. Where's any possibility of gratitude? There's not a gift going on. Like, where's the gratitude? So prior to thank you has to be gratitude. And prior to gratitude has to be an awareness of gift and an awareness of how this world actually works, that sometimes peeks through even the armor of modern materialism, that gratitude peeks through, or maybe through a psychedelic experience, mm-hmm. you're seeing beyond that veil. And then the thank you becomes sincere. Mm. And I say that not to add like another layer of admonitions, but to bring alive something that we all know and once it's brought alive it begins to work on you yeah and you find yourself changing without making a promise oh gosh i've been saying thank you without really being oh my god i got to change you know otherwise i'm not, otherwise what otherwise i'm not a good person otherwise i'll be punished i mean where is that coming from you know so it's it's to trust what happens When a new truth is revealed to you, something comes alive and you change and you can allow that. It doesn't have to be hard. Yeah. It's not a battle, man. Yeah. Yeah.
0: A great example of this is I haven't been one to do a lot of prayers before dinner because I had friends who were, you know, religious in a variety of different ways and Jewish faith and the Christian faith and a variety of things and there was all of these what felt to me like empty blessings empty prayers thank you Mm -hmm. to this thank you to that you know blah 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 and it was just like I didn't feel anything from it and so I was like this is all some ceremonial bullshit like I never felt anything so I began to detest it slightly I think subconsciously I didn't really think that I detested it but and then recently I've encountered two people, my friend Makad, who has a really like beautiful way and his wife Frida, a really beautiful way of energetically, a more shamanic way of energetically releasing any, anything, any energy that's been stored in the food, particularly meat, any suffering that the animal has had or in the, in the plants, the way they were harvested or, and just offering like the space for that food, even though it's dead, at this point dead I use that in quotations for people who are listening but a way to just offer the space metaphysically for that to release and also change the way that we think because there's plenty of studies showing about the way that we think about food affects our body and I wrote about those in own the day in my in my book phenomenal it's all part of the placebo effect so whatever is happening whether it's actually changing the energy of that what we call dead thing and changing the energy or whether it's changing our attitude toward it, either way it felt real and so Vailana and I started adopting that. I was like, all right, this feels like something that's, that's real. I, I felt the sincerity that he did it with and his wife did it with, Frida did it with. Mm-hmm. So that was part one. And within two weeks, then we also had Zach Bush over for dinner. And I just had the instinct that he could say a blessing. And, and he gave a blessing. And it was like, you know, like brought everybody at the table to tears, like it was a thank you that was so real, mm-hmm. like so true, <clears throat> mm-hmm. that it was like fuck, yeah. And so now my whole paradigm about this thing has changed, you know, because I've also known people who've just been like, thank you, food, you know, and it's, and it's like you're doing it out of a necessity, but how real is it? Like, right. don't even bother, just fucking eat. Yes, unless you're going to do it for real.
1: Yep. So that what you described, Zach Bush's prayer that's one of the principles that decorates the flag yes indeed yeah and it's something that you either experience it directly or something of it is carried in your words and it it's that recognition mm-hmm. and it's for me it's one of those invitations into a new world mm-hmm. that that is uh, calling so strongly right now yeah, yeah to so many of us
0: yeah it is i want to stick with this principle because i immediately think of relationships because there's also the there's also the you know almost necessitated habit if you're in a relationship where you've established the i love you concept that you always say it and in some way it's always true because you do you do love them but there's also the the impulse to say it when you without really feeling it which I'm now calling into question like huh what is what about that what about when it is true but as you're saying it you're not feeling mm-hmm. it so you say thank you cuz you are grateful somewhere down there if you dig around if you rummage in the basement you're going to find your gratitude if you rummage around you'll find your love but in that moment you're not saying it and it, to me there's like an invitation to take a pause to take a pause and be like no 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 let me go find this thing before i express it and also an understanding like yeah all right this is a feeling that i can lose it sometimes not out of intention or whatever
1: but let me feel it first before i say it okay so okay words don't always mean what we think they mean thank you doesn't actually always mean thank you it could mean i acknowledge this right um how are you Hey, how you doing? That does not actually mean. Please tell me how you're doing. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a greeting. Uh-huh. Uh, I love you. In a couple's dialogue, uh, can mean something like that too. It takes on a meaning in their own inner language, their 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 couple's language. That doesn't mean what it might mean if you said it to, for the, for the first time, to some new person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd say like, you know, all this stuff we're saying, hold it lightly. Yeah. Um, words are alive. They take on, like their meaning is a function of relationship. Any words I say to you mean something a little different than when I say them to some, something else. Because who I am is a little different with you than I am with anybody else. And this is like another one of the principles. It's to hold all of these things um I would I would say lightly. One of the principles is that all of our stories are stories. And that So, okay, so there's a truth in humor that basically says none of this is actually that serious. Mm -hmm. And it's also very serious. But on some level, it's like it's like if you're acting in a movie or a, a play or something like that, you're in the role and you're not gonna be like in the play, you're not gonna be like, oh, and by the way, that's you know, not really a ship, that's actually a set piece. Like you're not gonna like <laughs> yeah, sure. step out of the play. Like you take the role seriously and you 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 fulfill the drama. But in the drama of of our lives, sometimes like like in between shows, like the actors step out of that a little bit. And we have these interregnums also, these, these moments where in order to, to prevent ourselves from losing ourselves completely in the roles, we got to step out. And humor is a way to do that momentarily, which is why it's such a, uh, a deep form of solidarity. If you can make a joke to somebody, then you're acknowledging the common condition of yeah you're playing a role i'm playing a role and with this joke we temporarily step outside of it because we're in agreement that this is all kind of funny Mm -hmm. like any joke transmits that on some level Mm -hmm. which is why the the um humorlessness of a lot of our civic discourse today is a a warning sign you know of impending strife
0: one of the things that uh you know, professor matthias desmond who studies mm-hmm. mass formation one of the things he talked about is the value of humor mm-hmm. because at the point that you're laughing the every like nothing is funny in big brother right, right? like nothing is funny in, in in orwell's story 1984 the only
1: laughter he says orwell in 1984 is the laugh of triumph over a groveling enemy
0: right yeah right some some glow it, which is this perverted version of laughter right, right? like but yes there's like this this real this real necessity to be able to laugh at ourselves for sure and laugh at laugh at just different situations and it it, as you said it gives distance and also the value of the elevation by the way (laughs) the elevation of vibration that comes from laughter too is like laughter Mm -hmm. is bringing you to a higher state and i was talking to matthias de stefano is this kind of this cosmic encyclopedic figure won't go into all of that the podcast will be out soon but ultimately he was talking about the highest vibrational states that we can attain and people are really keen on sex magic right now because of mm-hmm. course in the orgasmic you know energy of of sexuality and pleasure you're reaching a really high frequency if you're doing it with that intention absolutely so from that place you have access to the ability to draw realities into your into your field either internally into your emotional space or potentially even something more than that potentially even the interconnectedness of all possibilities and timelines you can adjust who knows certainly feels like you can but he was also saying but people are discounting laughter as a, as this higher vibration state where this is one of the highest vibro When you're rolling in laughter like this state in and of itself is such a beautiful place to be and so powerful and so rich and then i started thinking about comics and i'm friends with a lot of comics and i'm like oh they're laughter shamans mm-hmm. people are paying money to go there to go to the laughter shaman so they can experience something and then everything is different after they've had that laughter that big laugh all of the things that they were so worried about they yep. all seem a little lighter right. it's like deep shamanic work done under the guise of being a comic which they are a comic but it's it's more powerful than
1: that cuz cuz the reality that it seemed so consuming seems a little less real yeah after being you know in the comedic realm right yeah it's it's yeah it is profound and i don't know i just wanted to throw in there just like a little caution about the idea of like the higher and higher and highest one of the highest states um these states these vibrations are different but i'm not sure if i would put them on a scale simply because like laughter and humor can also be a deflection of intimacy like i've certainly used it that way when it's getting intense you know mm. derail it with a joke so <clears throat> just you know yeah. th- so that but but what you're saying is is definitely true also yeah yeah
0: and also sex can also be used as a way it can also be it depends on how you use it you know right. it can be used as an escape for sure i mean you can whip open your laptop hit in one of your por- favorite porn tubes rip open your pants rip, rip open, open your pants <laughs> whip and, and grab some lotion or go dry whatever you want to yeah, do yeah. <laughs> and and you know that's an escape and that's not exactly like aha i've achieved fucking samadhi this and same with same with laughter i think it is important to say that all of these things yeah. and high doesn't designate better and i think it's just an an access, what i think he means is it's an access point mm-hmm. it's an access point that's different than you know something like jealousy or something mm-hmm. like envy or some right. some one of these states where you have very little access mm-hmm. to do things to, to manifest things into your life to be a magnetic if you're just sitting and wallowing envy you know, which some say is is one of those states. You're a little bit stuck, and you're not oh, yeah. exactly going to draw a lot of beautiful things into your life. And it's so all nope. I think it's just about access, not necessarily about better or worse. And not that envy isn't a chord on the universal organ or church organ of all existence. And that chord itself isn't also a beautiful part of the universal symphony. However, if you're stuck in that chord, you got very few options you know and i think that's the that's the idea is to give you some a little more play and a little a little more of an option i want to talk about the idea of disclosure because we were talking about the basically telling the truth and you gave a a really beautiful essay on what happened during the jfk assassination and how this sowed some seeds of mistrust and that's not the only place in which the world has seen something that didn't seem quite right and that, that didn't seem like this was a single shooter all set up in all the ways and we don't know for sure but it's sowed these seeds of distrust and then there's COINTELPRO, pro and then there's all of these ways in which we know that different authorities have been fucking with us the billions of dollars of fines paid by pharmaceutical companies the the briberies the different things that we've seen and it's developed this poison pill so i'd like you to talk to And talk a little bit about this poison pill and about the cure for the poison pill and this importance of disclosure. And maybe we can bring that all the way back down to the personal as well. But let's talk about the macro first.
1: Okay. To do that, I really would need to give you maybe a five, 10-minute version of the essay that you're talking about. Because it has to start with the story. Yeah, please. Yeah. Uh, It started when I was holding a retreat and talking about the mythology of separation and progress and the, the genocide and the ecocide that has accompanied this ascent of humanity, you know, and like the whole, I was laying out the whole thing and a guy in the retreat was like, hold on a second. He's like, it can't be all bad. You know, civilization has produced incredible beauty as well. And, and then he related a story. He said, when I was, a boy in 1960 or something, my father took me aside and he said, son, we are living at the greatest moment of history in the greatest country that has ever been on this earth. And he said, Charles, surely there was some truth in that. And I said, yeah. Even knowing the slavery and genocide and ecocide that was part of the building of America. Still, there was something, something transcendent, especially at that moment. The ideal of America, even that we had these ideals, freedom, democracy, liberty, progress, we can do anything. It's getting better and better, and, and at that time, like the civil rights movement was really getting underway. The environmental movement was getting underway. So even like the remaining darkness, it looked like we were gonna take care of that too. The world was gonna heal. We had a new president, an anti-imperialist president, a pro-civil rights president, John F. Kennedy, who was taking on the military industrial complex, who refused to, his joint chiefs of staff were, were, anyway, So I I, I told my dad this story. He was born in 1940. And, you know, this glorious vision of America. And he's like, yeah, I felt it. And I remember the day it turned dark, November 22nd, 1963. Like that day is burned in his psyche. And in so many, that was the day that John F. Kennedy was assassinated. The day it turned dark, he said. And after that, as much as people still pretended to believe to themselves, as much as they bought into the official explanation of what happened on that day, on some level, the dream died. People no longer actually believed. And what happened, I think, is that The public willingly swallowed an obvious lie. If you look into the history of it, I mean, there's no way that it was just like this lone shooter. I mean, on the face of it, like I'm not going to go into the details. You know, watch Oliver Stone or something. I mean, you don't have to do that much sleuthing to to understand that. I mean, even if the official narrative is true, it's still a big thing to swallow, but people swallowed it easily mm. because they were afraid, like to, to not believe it would have meant that this whole story of America wasn't true. Like the CIA killed the president. That's not how democracy is supposed to work. We're supposed to be the exemplar of democracy. So, so people swallowed a lie. And it's like in any because relationship. the
0: alternative was such a horrible reality. Yeah. It was, they couldn't they couldn't hold it. The dissonance was too yeah. great. Yeah,
1: your reality would fall apart and your identity in that, it's like in a marriage, if there's a cheating spouse, yeah. usually the other spouse is the last one to know about it. And he's gonna be ignoring all the, the whispers, ignoring all the signs, making excuses. And what's lost in that relationship is any kind of trust. So at that moment, the American public began to lose trust in the government. And it was no longer the government of the people, by the people, and for the people. An opposition developed a a, a rift that has reached an extreme degree today. And it also, because of this like deep-seated distrust, it continually finds expression in all kinds of conspiracy theories. So the Kennedy assassination was the mother of all conspiracy theories, which cannot possibly be all true. They all contradict each other, you mm. know, but there is truth in all of them. And the truth that rides the vehicle of conspiracy theories is that we're being lied to, that there is a reality that is hidden from us, that things don't work the way that are, that we are superficially presented them as working. And in order to heal this divide and to, to, to heal the country and bring, and to a large extent, the world, and to, to, to bring he, he, citizens and authority back into coherence, because authority is not supposed to be something we're at war against. Mm. Authority, I mean, we're supposed to respect people in authority because they've earned that authority sure in a healthy society i
0: mean in, in in a microcosm that's the way it works like in the company you know i founded on it we had 180 employees i founded you know now i have a, a much smaller team or whatever but i understand that my leadership yes i have the ability to fire someone i have actual i can use force to to move something but the it only works if they really respect me the other right. things it starts to everything starts to degrade at right. the moment where they don't respect my leadership and they don't respect me as a as a figure and and ultimately at the point you know I stepped down as CEO partly because I wasn't doing enough work for them to fully respect me as that title it became a namesake rather than an actuality and actually there was somebody else in the company who was doing the work mm-hmm. and so everybody was, was it hard i was like no It was, it was just real. It was the Mm -hmm. truth. It was the only thing that could bring the company back into truth because for, you know, six months or a year before that, I wasn't doing the work of a CEO. I was just holding the title. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as I stepped back, you know, that was corrected and truth truth regained and and people still admired and respected me as the founder and it was Mm -hmm. still love and hugs when i was going through the hallway and big smiles and all of those things but that that little bit of like ceo really i mean how how often how long have you been in the office like i haven't seen you that much that was all corrected and then the company flourished Mm -hmm. in that state it was like bringing things back to truth but as you were saying like the natural inclination is authority People wanna like people wanna yeah. follow people who lead with truth and love and heart.
1: Right. So if you were running a company and you had to rely on the constant threat of I'm gonna fire you, yeah, like that's not gonna be a happy company. No. It's not gonna get a lot done. You know, it's it's people are gonna do just enough to avoid being fired. They're gonna be at each other's throats competing for favor. Kind of like this country right now. Yeah. Like if we had a healthy country, then people would willingly comply with all of the mandates because there would have been a history of, of trust built up and we don't have that. So the very fact of this tremendous vaccine hesitancy, I mean, <laughs> like I'm not hesitant, okay? <laughs> like, oh, I'm about to do it, but I'm hesitating. No. Anyway, like, like the very fact of this already means that there's a problem. Yeah. And we have to, instead of demonizing the vaccine resistant, what's wrong with them? Let's come up with some psychosocial diagnosis so like to, in you know problematizing them. We have to ask, okay, is there distrust well-founded? What is it showing us about the relationship between authority and the people? How do we bring them back together again? And so like you were like, you know, you, Open this conversation with its disclosure, its transparency, that's where trust comes from. It comes from honesty. It comes from, yeah, here's me. And, and so that's why I proposed, I said like the Kennedy assassination cover-up was like this radioactive pill that was insinuated into the body politic that is generating poison, corrupting tissues, like sending this metastasizing cancer throughout the body and you can fight the cancer forever, but if you don't remove the pill, then you're gonna be fighting it forever and never healing it. And so like, I'm like, that's what it's gonna take. I even at the end, I even said, you know who you are, you know, yeah. it's time for disclosure. And on top of that disclosure comes, because lies grow. Like in order to maintain a lie, you have to tell a bigger lie and a bigger lie and a bigger lie until you're living in a matrix of lies, which we are. So, so it, it, you know, it's a big deal to remove that pill, and who knows what else gets revealed. And in order to prepare the ground for disclosure, we the people have to step into a place of forgiveness. Mm. Uh, so, so ultimately, the bargain has to be disclosure in exchange for amnesty, mm. because the punishment mentality is it strengthens the field of domination of which lying and manipulation is part. It's part of the same vibration. Yeah. And, and that's the sacrifice that we have to be willing to make for the truth is to let go of revenge. That's the, the, the guardian at the threshold requires that coin for us to enter into the healed society that is possible after disclosure yeah yeah
0: it's so there's so many ways and there's i think if we all look in our hearts no matter where we fall there's all places where we mistrust the government maybe it's about ufos maybe you've seen some footage and you're like i fucking that fucking thing is real and somebody's lying about it It may not be roswell but it may be you know even that itself well they admitted that they were lying to us now i mean like,
1: i mean that's isn't that weird like 2017 new york times you know like all this navy stuff it's like like and life goes on as normal
0: (laughs) well it's because of what you said to to acknowledge that the government is intentionally lying in this patronizing way in any aspect it it fundamentally changes our orientation to everything and we're also not ready to forgive that so it's it's too much too much dissonance you know and so like i think it's it's happening in a gradual way and but it but as you said in order to really heal it has to be it has to be complete it has to be a complete disclosure really fully for this to for this to heal they have to be like all right so check it out you know we had some Advance one and i don't know if this is true i don't i don't know i'm not sure i'm not even sure about aliens because i've seen a lot of aliens on dmt and i'm like fuck man maybe it's all a dmt vision I, i'm not sure i think so i'm pretty sure i haven't seen one though but ultimately like i heard that there was advanced information about the planes that were coming to attack pearl harbor we didn't create the planes japan was attacking but we knew we had some intel and we were like fuck if we let them actually bomb us the whole country will get behind the war effort and will be able to stop the nazis so i can put myself in the mind of someone who understands our reticence after the brutal world war one the reticence to enter another world war and just say no 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 let's pretend it's not happening and them saying listen we're going to lose a few troops we're going to lose a few troops anyways but if we don't stop this and i'm not saying it justifies it this is not a justification i'm just putting myself in the place of forgiveness where i can say would i have done different if i were them and i was in that paradigm and i didn't believe in in the metaphysical things that i do let's say they did know that and they're like we know that if we let them bomb and we act surprised then we will get a full support of the american people and they'll be we'll make all the we'll make all the weapons we'll do all the things we'll go and we'll stop the nazis and we'll win and we'll stop this great horror from happening and maybe pragmatically it was there's an argument that that was right and then you could extrapolate that to you know obviously people extrapolate that same thing to the 9-11 the towers and that obviously is a different thing because you could say it's about terror but it's a little bit easier to say that's a lot more about about money and oil and a variety of different things but perhaps there was that belief in terror perhaps there was some no- so you have all of this doubt and you don't know but you just this unshakable doubt and then there's the truly proven things you know with like the Pro, the infiltration of the civil rights movement and things that we know existed and as you said some of this ufo disclosure there's things that were that we know were there but are not fully acknowledged and integrated it's like a like a psychedelic journey can give you a revelation but unless you integrate it it just stays somewhere in the uncrystallized form and you haven't metastasized it in a in a healthy way and i think we're in this place where we need that truth to be integrated and and let go of to really move forward healthfully because we're right now we're in a we're in a really poisonous spot and i think it's as you said because of this deep and well-founded mistrust and then it extends too far in some cases like i mean Maybe there wasn't a moon landing but I'm I've talked to some astronauts and they're seem like honest and they're like yeah yeah for sure we were there you know yeah and like and then you could extend it even further to absurdity which is the flat earth situation like
1: yeah I know some very intelligent people who believe it and like
0: we're about to send stratospheric balloons we have been already and there's pictures that i'm getting on my phone because i'm a part of you're part of the hoax too huh (laughs) yeah called worldview where i'm seeing the curvature of the earth over like the grand canyon and stuff from fucking helium balloons like and we're all going to go up there in like two years so this is going to be it's going to be a tough day for the flat earthers when that happens but nonetheless i get it though because there's well-founded mistrust right and so in order to cure the flat earth is a symptom and
1: it's a symptom of the same poison pill that's right. And the this, the 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 way to remove the poison pill is disclosure. Honesty, transparency. I mean this is a common theme whether it's relationship work or politics. It's even the metamorphosis of the surveillance state. The surveillance state is actually setting the technological groundwork of transparency in a way right now it's transparency of the all-seeing eye you know at the center of the panopticon you know surveilling all of the people but ultimately it's everybody sees everybody Mm. not one sees many so this is this is this is the upwelling of transparency that's coming into every aspect of our lives and it's part of the dissolving of some of the barriers and boundaries between us as human beings another aspect of the transparency is is like dropping our pretenses and our personas and and our posturing and me and you brother mm-hmm. like this willingness to not pretend with each other yeah like all part of the same movement yeah
0: yeah there was a there was in january i did ayahuasca down at Soltara in costa rica with violana
1: well we're not talking about drugs are we <laughs> oh we're going drugs? there <laughs>
0: we're going there <laughs> talking about drugs so i did some drugs in the jungle <laughs> and there was this deep feeling that i came out of this ceremony that and you know she's had and we've talked about it before but she's had a a huge history of basically every boyfriend that she's had being lying cheating having another woman on the side lying about her finding out in this deep distrust that has come from male lust you know ultimately that was the reason for the secrecy the desire to you know to live out their lust and then lie about it because it wasn't allowed in the contract of of the relationship and so what i sensed was is that if i honestly expressed even though i've been absolutely impeccable in action indeed if i honestly express that i too carried that lust but you can trust me babe you know like i just need you to see that i carry that lust and i need you to not judge it and and to know me in that because if you don't know me in that you don't really Mm -hmm. see me and if you don't really see me you can't really love me the whole me you can just love a part of me that you see so i came out and i was like hey babe like I, i i had a big deep calling to express to you and and have you helped me hold this Mm -hmm. lust and see it and she kind of laughed and she wasn't ready for it at that point but it was this gnawing growing thing that throughout the year we ultimately had to we had to come to terms with it and when she was ready it was a big another journey down there was a big moment where she finally was able to see it and not fear it and trust Mm -hmm. me and see me and our love from that disclosure and her willingness to see it you know even though i expressed it she kind of sloughed it off just like the ufo disclosure yeah yeah whatever like wasn't ready to really integrate it because it was scary but then when she was ready then our relationship and our closeness Mm -hmm. nothing else changed other than the the disclosure and the receiving of the disclosure and the release of all judgment Mm -hmm. about it and then all of a sudden our relationship hit even another level
1: yeah so this is a really important aspect of um Transparency or disclosure. Like, if somebody is lying to me, the first thing I ask is, why don't they feel safe to tell me the truth? Is it, and it could be simply because they have a habit of lying, and even though I'm not going to judge them, they think I am from past experience. Okay. But it could be that I have judgment that. Even if I try to restrain it, I'm going to, on some energetic level, be shaming them, be punishing them, going to hold it, use it against them somehow.
0: Or just a simple withdrawal of your love temporarily, yep. which is
1: cold, cold wind. Right. So that's what I ask myself when someone's lying to me. And translating that into the relationship between the people and the government we can ask the same question. Like if they're continuing the cover-up, what part of that is because they don't feel safe? Like part of them wants to reveal. This, sure. is, this is true in relationships too. Like the cheating spouse wants to get caught on some level, yeah. will we'll sabotage his own efforts to, to maintain the pretense. They wanna get caught, but they're afraid. They're afraid of disclosure with good reason Mm -hmm. when you read the stuff of like yeah we're going to court-martial them and they'll be on the gibbet you know like that's why um disclosure and i said amnesty but it could be forgiveness Um, but it's really at bottom it's a release of judgment yeah that's why those two go hand in hand just like in a relationship and i'm not i'm not saying that got our distraction we got our, we got our, we back got there. our friend we yeah. got our
0: friend the the cats have been a part of our journey all day yeah They're deciding right now is a good time to exercise those claws
1: yeah so yeah um it's not to say um you know not to say if someone's lying to you that you're to blame you know and, and but but it is it is a dance
0: it's creating and there's
1: always work to do on both sides like yeah. even if it's a tiny speck of judgment like what is being reflected to you by the lying and are you willing to like like there's like this dominator part that's like yeah if i only catch him in the lie then the tables will be turned mm. if you actually want respect you have to let go of that if you want equality if you want a relationship without controlling each other and dominating each other. And let's also talk about politics here. If you want that, you have to let go of the power that you will get when the lies are revealed. Mm-hmm. That's the sacrifice we put on, on the altar of healing. Relational, political, everything.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> the this is a fundamental practice of transformational experience. So, you know, some of the most powerful and profound breathwork facilitators are lucas mack Hellowesson. and they came out to sedona to offer the breathwork and the breathwork is you know an hour of continued breathing and it's incredibly cathartic and many emotions will arise and some of them will look straight up like an exorcism but the only and and i don't say that in a denigrating way it's just like energy or even a demonic catholic way it's just like energy is moving into such an extreme level and the tears and the crying and the wailing and the Mm. you know and so there's very trained you know highly trained facilitators and really intuitive people who can guide this thing but the agreement is is that everybody watching will only receive anything that emerges with absolute radical love Mm -hmm. and that freedom of expression and permission to wail to cry to ask for help to moan to whatever comes to orgasm you know which sometimes happens in breath work where that energy comes like that permission of non-judgment that allows the freedom to allow the healing to occur and it's it's such a such a fundamental principle that applies to every different thing that's what you call a safe container Mm -hmm. and the safe container can be in a dyad and just a relationship it can be with yourself
1: Mm -hmm. probably
0: the most safe containers with yourself can you admit to yourself your own shit without judging yourself and removing your own self-love probably the fun most fundamental place that we need to have disclosure i mean this whole idea of the shadow that's the thing that you don't want to look at because you're ashamed of it well what if you didn't judge it then Mm -hmm. you could see it and then you could ultimately learn to love and integrate yeah. that, become a whole being.
1: Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Like all this shadow work, if is if it's motivated by this kind of heaviness and this like shame of oh man, I I've got to work on my shadow, and so and so hasn't worked on his shadow, and like that's more shadow.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just adding to the shadow. Yeah, and that's so much of what we see is the judgment of this versus that and all of this it's not going it's not part of the revolution so here we go you know one more things in saying you know part of the part of the principles of this revolution is a radical realignment of our attitude towards judgment you know and i think that's that is the liberating force what what do we want we want to be free and we want to be safe and freedom and safety are on a continuum where you don't feel safe if you're not free and you don't feel free if you're not safe but we want both and to get that to get that you know it's just like we gotta just let it all out like fucking let it all out yeah all right you've looked at some porn that's a little aggressive you know and it turned you on all right okay it's okay like you've done these okay it's okay me too you know like me too me too everybody being like yep yep like i felt maybe i didn't do it exactly the same way but i am i am you too like it's all good and then then we can collectively heal and then maybe we can you know stop the asteroid that's gonna <laughs> or, come, or whatever flood's gonna happen and come together and be like all right we're all good with each other okay now let's let's look at this cataclysmic planet we got and make a plan together anything else you want to add a message from your heart anything else that you would want to express that could find or meet people in a place that could be some medicine some inspiration some clarity just want to open the space for your intuition your desire to serve the good of all
1: somebody offer me a keyword that is a, uh, portal to something that's really on people's minds right now. Guilt. Mm-hmm. For me, guilt is really fear of getting caught. Fear of somebody finding out, what I've done. It's like, bedevils me. You know, if I've done something, but nobody knows about it, I feel guilty because like I'm going to get caught. One of the ways that parents control children, teachers control children is through punishment. You do something against the rules. And if you don't get caught, nothing bad happens to you. If you get caught, you get punished. Underneath that whole operating system is the idea that if you weren't going to get punished, you'd just do all kinds of bad stuff. So it comes from a misapprehension about what a human being is here for. What would your life be like if you weren't afraid of getting caught? If you weren't afraid of getting in trouble? If you weren't afraid of bad karma? If you didn't lead your life according to reward and punishment. When my brother was a young man, he was traveling and at some youth hostel, at some youth hostel, an older woman said to him, you can do whatever you want, like as a mantra. It was really liberating for him. And if you say that sentence with different emphasis, and meditate on it, it opens up all kinds of different meanings. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Like, And one of the ways of taking that is that there's no cosmic referee that's keeping score and is going to reward or punish you after your life is over, but you can do whatever you want. So what do you want to do? What is the most delightful thing to do? Already that question is revolutionary. Mm. When I explore that, I realize like this, long history i had of being cut off from what i really want to do and accepting substitutes for for the for the deeper pleasures Mm. like there's this idea that if you let go of guilt then you would be a bad boy there would be nothing to restrain you it's not true but what it does is confront confront you with okay if there's no punishment then what how do i live my life and contrary to popular conception it won't be a degenerate destructive life to others and yourself right it'll be quite the opposite
0: i experience guilt in this guilt of i'm not doing enough like and it's this it's this constant feeling of i'm not doing enough which restricts me from doing what i want so the actions that i take are not bound from love that motivation that we talked to but they're motivated by guilt still and so they're bound in guilt and so they're bound in judgment any action taken in guilt is bound in judgment enough for what
1: enough right. for you finally to qualify for heaven i mean what does that enough mean to be a good person to be to be able to love yourself right right
0: yeah. and this is this is where when you really what you're saying is really revolutionary because it's so embedded that that we need this guilt and somehow i i still heap it on because and I don't, i'm not even conscious of like some referee and i don't believe in this concept right. of heaven i, I understand i don't have the principles of that but it's so it's still insidiously ingrained and intertwined in my every action and i think for me the liberation of that is is faith like we were talking like there's a link between faith being a liberator of guilt in my particular type of guilt because if i believe that i can do what i want from a place of love and if I just continue to act from love it will all be okay and I don't need to be guilty for doing what I want because that actually is the plan and I can trust myself and I can trust the world it's a form
1: of maturity you know guilt is a child state the parent is going to punish you and the maturity is that you're not subject to that you're it's it's actually a a sovereignty The king is beyond, he's the highest authority, right? So no one's going to punish the king. He can do whatever he wants. So when you accept your kingship or your queenship, um, that's the confronting question. If you are lord and sovereign of the realm, what do you actually want to do? Like what gives the king the greatest pleasure? It's actually to serve the people yes it is
0: there is no drug like service when taken pure Mm -hmm. there's no drug like it yeah there's nothing that even comes close yep but you have to take it you have to take it for real right you can't you can't pretend to take it it's It's for your own good it's not service then
1: it's not service if if you need to display it to that inner referee who then judges you good right it's not instrumental for some other end and that's it
0: well as we said you know thank you for being a thank you for being a light that shines on you know on this truth that we all have illuminating illuminating a flag that we all carry in our heart like a true banner a banner of a banner of love and a banner of interbeing and a banner a banner of what we really are which is what we truly want to fight for and you know may this message and your words which the passion and the and the fire and the also the humor and and the way that you're going I just want to acknowledge how beautiful it's been to see these essays since your commitment since when you sat there and you were like enough not fucking around anymore you know it's been beautiful to see a brother take that you know take that mantle receive the arrows of criticism and the injustice of the world trying to tear you down and not be broken by it and just continue to steadfastly you know offer yourself to be put to good use and damn your the universe is doing a good job putting you to good use so i i just honor that in you
1: brother well thank you and i'll just say that it's um i'm only able to do that because Others are holding me in that. It's uh, Courage is a function of community. So to the extent that I'm displaying any of it, it's because of the people who love me and see me. So thank you for being one of those people. Aubrey. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And I bet there's a lot more people who are watching who, whose love just increased, increased exponentially. So thank you to all of you for giving us courage and for being part of the community that's bringing about this more beautiful world um also with the release of this podcast is an amazing animation of a story that you told on the last time we did a podcast so everybody please go check that out i actually don't have a url i'll make one up uh aubreymarcus.com slash gathering gathering it is (laughs) gathering it is aubreymarcus.com says gathering because the piece is called gathering of the tribes um so go there check out the video it will be uh accessible from there i'll also post it a lot of places but excited to share that we had the incredible musician john hopkins come in and do a custom score violana's singing on it uh the animator aldis animated it it's uh it's a it's a beautiful offering so want people to check that out as well and substack that's your new that's your new spot
1: yeah that's where i publish my essays
0: yeah and that's uh
1: substack.com slash charles eisenstein i think it's actually charles eisenstein.substack.com anyway you can find it
0: <laughs> we'll figure yeah. it out Well, oh, show notes show notes baby we don't need to do this on the fly fuck it we'll do it live <laughs> thank you brother it's always a fucking pleasure man and so happy to have you here in the house and just your energy cold plunging in the morning and sonning yeah. and rescuing cats from the ceiling and whatever it is man it's just yep. uh it's great when we get together so appreciate you and love you goodbye everybody much love thanks for tuning into this podcast with charles eisenstein once again make sure to check out the new short film a gathering of the tribe featuring charles eisenstein john hopkins violana ben stewart aldis it's an amazing compilation and it's a really powerful film so you can check it out on youtube a gathering of the tribe go to aubreymarcus.com gathering or just check it out on my igtv on instagram I love you guys and I'll see you next week.